Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, I think time and time again, all of us have tendencies to run off to somewhere we shouldn't. Whether it's a cave, whether it's something we're running after that we shouldn't be running after. And uh, we're in the book of Hosea. We're, we're going through verse by verse. Um, today and next week, we're actually going to be concluding the book of Hosea. And today, what I want to do, we're going to be going through every chapter. We're going to miss the next few chapters because a lot of them, they say the same thing. And what I want to do is really bring this to a close next week and share some vision stuff with you in the month of August. And so today, I want to look at Hosea 7. So if you have a Bible, open up to Hosea chapter 7. Just to recap a little bit, the Israelites are screwing up. Okay, they've messed up. They're trying to follow, you know, other gods. They're trying to mix in their Israelite, their Jewish religion with other religions. And it's just become kind of a mess. And so we find ourselves here in chapter 7 of them again, kind of going like this to God. Can any of you relate to this with, with your relationship with God? Where we kind of go like this. Anybody relate to that? You know, but you know, not, I don't know about that. You know, just, I just want a little bit. I want what I like. You know, that's what's happening. And so they went astray, they did something wrong, and almost didn't think they were going to get, you know, impacted by it. They didn't think anything was going to happen. How many of you, as a teenager, ever did something stupid with a vehicle? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Take a picture quick. <laughs> as an adult, yeah. You're like, oh, it's been a few days. Um, when I was working at a, in high school, scout camp up by Detroit Lakes, and uh, there was a family camp there. My dad came up and visited. I was 16 years old, saved as you can possibly get, you know, non-Christian as possible as it is, and he brought up his truck, and my dad liked his cars. He had a BMW, and then he had his truck, but his truck loved, and he loved the Chevy Blazer, you know, and he had this beautiful 1994 Chevy Blazer, and just beautiful, and and he just updated it. In fact, in the middle of the council, it used to have a cassette player, and they updated it to a CD player. Sweet. And uh, I remember driving, and I just want to give you the context of this camp. This camp, the roads are about just a little bit more wide than our aisle here in the center of the church. And so speed limit is 15 miles an hour. I don't think so. And uh, I worked up there for two and a half years. I knew the roads. I could go through those roads with my eyes closed. And so... If you met another car on that road, though, you were dead. And so I knew it. It was really early in the morning. I went into town. I'm on the way back from town. And I am just like, you know, I'm flooring it as fast as I can. And about as fast as you could do is about 40, 45 on these roads when you shouldn't be going, you know, over 20. And I get up to this edge of the road. It's all dirt. And I lose steering control. I'm 16. I got my favorite CD in, by the way. I can't forget this. A uh, little Warren G. If you know who that is? You And, uh... I won't even tell you the title of the song because that makes it really bad. Just the beginning, nothing but it, and we'll just leave it there. And uh, I crash straight into the woods, like just bam, smash everything. And I'm going, oh, dear God, I just demolished my dad's blazer, you know. And, and I'm freaking out. And I, I just back it out really, really slowly from where I had gone in. I get out, and I look at the front of the road. And there's sticks all over the place. So I'm pulling sticks for like a half an hour, and I'm brushing the dust off, making sure the dust looks the same without my fingerprints. Covered our tracks, right? 
you know, and, and I'm like going like this with the dirt, you know, nothing happened here. And I pull out, even though I did all that, I'm looking at this like just beautiful woods, and then you see this like giant 10 foot, just beautiful indent right into this brush. Didn't damage the at all. That's why I gave my life to Christ. I get back to my dad's cabin and, and we take off. We go into town for something, we fish, come back, and we go by the spot. And I'm like, I'm just sweating. I'm going, please let him not notice. Please let him not notice. Please let. He sees it. He stops on his brakes, goes in reverse, looks at it, and goes, man, oh man, somebody really did a number there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> And he looks at me, and it was that moment of truth. He looks at me, just stares me in the eyes, and he's like, did that, was that you from this morning? Nope. <laughs> I've asked God to forgive me, but I've never told my dad the truth. So. <laughs> We've all done stupid stuff. Come on, man. All right? And it's happened. You know, so, say what? Is this online? Love you, Dad. Um, <laughs> Facebook Live. <laughs> Your confessions lived out loud. <laughs> so what happened is I realized that, you know, went a little stray, went a little off the road literally, but I think we all do. And I think sometimes I want to ask the question, and this is the question, is how much patience does a loving God have for me? Seriously, like how much? If I was God and the Israelites kept doing it, I'd just be like, you're done. Psh, done. It's over, you know? I think he was thinking about that with the foot. You see, the gospel according to Hosea It's looking at God's faithful love toward an unfaithful people. So if you're here today and you're going, I'm just not good enough. I don't know if I got it figured out. You don't. You're not. And that's the beauty of the gospel of Christ. So let's recap here. We're in chapter 7. So far we've read about this as a story of hope, a story of redemption. Hosea, just to get you all on the same page, is a prophet. He was asked by God to marry a prostitute. He goes through with it, merits her as a judgment on Israel, saying, you know what, Israel, you're going to continue to fall away from me, just like Hosea's wife, Gomer, ends up doing. She continues to fall away from Hosea. She continually goes out of her way, on purpose, away from her relationship, just as we've all done. And so what happens is we find ourselves in here in chapter 7, and, and they used to be a powerful nation. They were kind of like the American the day. They were God's chosen people, and they chose to kind of push all that aside, Okay. It's a nation now in decline. They're losing their position. They're losing their power. They're losing their wealth. They're losing their their military might. And they're actually in denial about it. They're vainly attempting to maintain what God is stripping away from them. And it's not working. They're, They're trying to fix the wrong thing. And so they start turning to other nations. They continue to turn to other gods. They look for political allies who God said, don't be a part of that because you're going to fall further away. And that's what takes place. So read with me here. Hosea, the first three verses. We'll put it up on the screen. Whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed and the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses. Bandits rob in streets. But they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. They are always before me. They delight the king with their wickedness, their princes with their lies. You see, all of these things, delighting in their sin rather than God, is all these things outside of their relationship with God. That's what sin is. And so what I want to do this morning, just in our remainder of our time, is I want to unpack something that I want to call spiritual adultery, okay? Now, you're probably not going to find this anywhere, but five things, or five truths about spiritual adultery. And you have this in your notes, if you're taking notes. 
Uh, spiritual adultery is anything that we do outside of a relationship with God. For example, think of it with your spouse if you're married. Anything that you do outside of your relationship that God has intended would be adultery. You know, if you're like, well, I'm going to go to a movie with this girl that I think is cute, and you're married, you are stupid, okay? <laughs> like, seriously, you, you know, you're going to end up on the couch in my room here in a few weeks, and I'm going to tell you you're stupid, and I'm going to forgive you, but, you know, now we're going to go through three weeks of counseling, and you took up my time, and I'm going to be mad. So, don't be dumb, all right? Israel was dumb, and yeah, we're all dumb. We all have driven a car into the woods, or we've done something stupid like that, okay? The boys, I know we celebrate them, but they did something kind of stupid. They went into a cave they weren't supposed to be in, you know? And now we celebrate the recovery. It's an incredible story. God wants to celebrate our story no matter how far we've gone astray, and that's what he was trying to do with his people, with Israel. And so, first of all, here you go. This is in your notes. Number one, spiritual adultery, it ignores the truth of God's word. God's word, I think, sometimes we think is so harsh, but if we realize that it's not compared to God's wrath, we want to follow, we want to be in it. And can I just say this? I don't know that any of us here, maybe you have, I don't know, but most of us, we don't blatantly go, I'm not going to follow God's word. We don't just, you know, hey, one night, I'm not going to follow God's word. I think it just happens. It slowly slips, and we don't even realize it taking place. You know, we don't even realize there's a problem. You know, back to the news this week, just media was filled with crazy stories this week. Did you see the story of the boy off the ocean who got caught in the riptide? Did you see that? I don't know if you saw that, but he was treading water um, for 12 hours. Treading water in the ocean. The riptide swept him off the beach, treading water for 12 hours. Before, and it, they could hear him yelling, but they couldn't see him for hours upon hours until the Coast Guard finally found him. They rescued him and uh, they brought him in. How does that happen? I love the beach. I love the ocean. I'm a beach nerd. I'm an ocean nerd. And when I'm on that beach, I love to go out there. I even love feeling that, you know, the, the undertow that takes you out. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I think eventually you don't even realize how far out you really are, okay, from where you started. And I think that's what happens with God's truth. We're like, I really like seven-eighths of the Bible. It's really good. And we start missing that eighth, and we start making up our own theologies, and we end up with these crazy religions. So religious, here's what's interesting. This is in your notes as well. Religious devotion, which we think, well, that's a great thing. It actually blinded them from repenting. Think about that. Well, Pastor Chris, I tithe. Well, Pastor Chris, I go to everything. Pastor Chris, I serve. God's saying, I don't really care about that. We talked about this last week. He's going, I want your heart. It's backwards. God's ways are not our ways. Thank you, God, right? right? Anybody here glad that his ways aren't our ways? I'm, I'm so glad. But think about it like this. Take... Take two people, Mother Teresa and O.J. Simpson. Let's get real. And you're like, well, who, who of those two deserves eternity? You know, our natural tendency would be to say Mother Teresa. Look at all the good that she did. Look at how she sacrificed and gave of her life all the social justice she was involved in. And then we say, we get to O.J. and we're like, we don't know what's the truth. We don't know what's not. And we think, well, I get, he, he deserves damnation. He deserves, you know... You know, whatever his sins were. But what if, what if, and I'm not saying this has happened, this is hypothetical. What if Mother Teresa never repented? What if OJ said, you know what, God, I'm sorry for the things in my life I accept you. That's the only reason you get eternal life. It has nothing to do with what we do. Now, action follows our salvation, and that which needs to take place. But think of it in that regard. That's what's happening here. That's what we see. So God 
gives the Israelites and Hosea over to their sin. Think of all the sins you've committed. What if God just gave you over to that? I don't want that. God does that to them because he wants their heart back. And so the Bible calls this, you reap what you, you reap what you sow. This is why we believe, and you're never going to find the word karma in your Bible. It's why we believe in grace. We receive something we did nothing to get. Okay? We don't deserve grace. You won't find the word karma in the Bible. So I want you to remember this today. This is in your notes as well. Hold yourself to a standard of grace, not perfection. Hold your standard grace. You're not going to be perfect, so stop trying. It's not going to happen. You see, they ignored God and they became calloused to his word. So let's get real for a moment. Let's get real here. You see, God can no longer penetrate their hearts. Can any of us relate? Well, Pastor Chris, I love the Bible. I'm just a little too busy for that. Pastor Chris, I love being a part of church, but I'm too busy for that. You know, and I think sometimes we end up missing God's best because we're in what we're not supposed to be focusing on. It's backwards. I love what the psalmist said in 119, verse 97. He said this, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times, or how I love your law. It's my meditation, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Do we meditate on the Word of God every single day? Well, you're a pastor, you must all the time. Are you kidding me? I'm preaching to myself right now. You know, I had one of my kids, one of my teenagers comes up to me and I says, how's it going? How are you doing on, on reading the Bible? I don't know, Dad, sometimes I like to, sometimes I don't. And uh, he says, you know, you probably can't relate with me because, you know, you read your Bible all the time. And I said, you're right. I never not want to read my Bible. There's never a time, you know. And I just thought, just because I'm up here, just because I'm sharing a message, doesn't mean that I'm, I'm there. I haven't arrived. It's by grace. And I think we have to realize that for all of us. You see, they ignored God. They thought, oh, I'm doing everything. I'm doing it just right. That's not what matters. Let's read on here. Verse 4 through 7. They're all adulterers, burning like an oven whose fire the baker need not stir from the kneading of the dough till it rises. What in the world does that mean? We'll unpack it. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes become inflamed with wine, and he joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passion smolders all night, and in the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are as hot as an oven. They devour their rulers. All their kings fall, and none of them calls on None of them calls on me. Man, life can get tough. What do we do in those circumstances? Oh, I got to just figure it out. Or what if we, hey, what if we call on him? What if we call on the name of the Lord? The Bible says what? If we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. We will be saved. You see, spiritual adultery, second here, it's fueled by our fleshly passions. Anyone here have any fleshly passions? Any desires? No, none of you. Ice cream, I heard somebody say. Yeah. See, Hosea describes the heart like a slow burning fire that flares up like a heart on fire and it starts burning for these passions that aren't what God had intended. You see, when we let our passion make our decisions, love and loyalty, they're thrown out the window and the self ends up ruling and reigning as king. Why? To get what we want. Right? We're all are we all selfless all the time? No, just me. No. 
Spiritual adultery is a desire on fire stoked by the choices that reinforce it. It reinforces the flesh that gets in the way. You see, spiritual adultery, it often comes disguised as good things. It looks like marriage. It looks like family. It looks like work. It looks like all these good deeds, and there's nothing wrong with all of that. But if we miss the relationship with God, we miss that. You see, they were idol worshiping, and idol worship is more than just bowing to totem poles. That's not just it. It has more to do with the desires of the heart that have gone away. So let me ask these, these questions right, right now before we close here in just a few minutes. What do you desire? Think about it. What do you desire more than Christ? What is it? What do you desire more than Christ? Is there anything that you desire more than Him? You know, not, not the Sunday school answer, but truly what's more important to Jesus at this stage of life for you? What is it? Is it, you know, is it going on vacation? Is it money? Is it time with your family? Is it intimacy? What, what is it? What are you passionate about? What do you, what do you get fired up about? What do you think about? What makes you mad? What makes you happy? What makes you stressed out? Where do we look at Scripture and we even violate it to do what we want? Where do we, maybe we're like, I really want that. So we're like, we're going to go more into debt than we ever should have. Or we're going, man, I don't want to be a part of church right now because I just want to be with Pastor, you know, Pillows and Sister Sheets this morning, you know? Sometimes that's okay. We're high pressure around here. But I think there comes a point where we miss God's best that he has for all of us. Galatians 5.24, it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. Okay, we've crucified the flesh. It's no longer the flesh that is my control. It's my Savior. Can I hear an amen? Let's read on verse 8 and 9. Ephraim mixed with the nations. Ephraim is a flat loaf, not turned over. It just doesn't sound very good to be Ephraim right now, does it? it? Sounds bad. How many would you let God to call you a flat loaf, not turned over? No, thank you. No, thank you. Foreigners sap his strength, but he doesn't even realize this. His hair is sprinkled with gray, but he doesn't even notice. Yeah, I can relate to that one. Anybody here have gray hair? Don't raise your hand. I can tell. I told you a few months ago, I said, I, I started getting some gray right here. I went, I thought it was shaving cream because I hate long hair on me. And uh, I wiped it with the towel. And, and I, I was like having a complex for a little while. I was going, what is going on here? I'm not, I'm not even old enough to have a 16-year-old, and I do. See, here we go. Next point is spiritual adultery. It blinds us from reality. I don't know about you. If you think about it this way, your perception really becomes your reality in life. You know, even when we have unforgiveness in our heart towards something, it's, it doesn't even matter if that was really how it happened. It's how we perceive it happening. And so we've got to go back and go, all right, God, forgive me, fill in the blank. We're all engaged in spiritual adultery and at times, and yet things look normal. We go to church, we have our devotion life, all of that, okay? We do all of that. But soon our desires for God, maybe they start dwindling. Maybe we start getting burnt out a little bit. Maybe we're going, God, I'm doing all this, but I am not experiencing you. I don't know about you, but during worship, man, I was experiencing God. Like, God was here. It was just, and he's always here. But it's just one of those moments where the spiritual atmosphere is right to just receive revelation from God. And I hope you did. You know, that's, that's what worship is. See, they're described right here as having gray hair, but didn't know it. Now let's face it, some of you here, 
have gray hair and we don't know because you dye it. Or you shave it. Or it's gone. We try to cover it up. Well, what happens if we eventually try to cover up our relationship with God by doing all this stuff? It becomes hollow. It becomes just a shell on the outside with no, no vitality inside of it. So let me just say this. The church as a whole, it's a means of grace for our spiritual health. We're rubbing elbows with people that are going, man, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to do this faith walk and I want to do it. Or, you know, maybe you're going, I'm still trying to figure it out. Somebody's a little further down the road than you. Awesome. We're all in this together, trying to figure out our faith journey. Let's read on here, verse 10 and 11. Israel's arrogance testifies against him, but despite all this, he does not return to the Lord his God or even search for him. Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. Number four, spiritual adultery is rooted in pride. Well, we got it. We can do this. See, pride is nothing more than making ourselves our own personal God. I can do it. I can be righteous myself. I've got this. You know, the pride of Israel here, it points to them getting their confidence and security from themselves rather than from God. I think we've all been guilty of that from time to time. Rather than being humbled by His grace, they took pride in indeed that they were God's people. Oh, we're God's people. We're good. We got it. God will never us back from this. He says that in Deuteronomy. Never forsake me, ever. And so they continue within that pride. That's spiritual adultery right there. Let's read here the last part of chapter 7. Or actually, before that, let me give you this note. It says this. It says, is an illusion while surrender is the solution. Okay? Talking about pride. I don't know about you, but control really is an illusion where surrender becomes the solution that we need in life. We like to have control. Every single one of us is a control freak in one way or another. We all like that. You know, the best way that I learned surrendering is flying on planes in severe weather. You want to learn, you know, Pilot, is there some tornadoes? Let me come up with you right now. That's the best way, because you have no control over that. Yeah, you're praying, you know. You're praying in the Spirit all the time. You're like, God, I want to survive this. You know, we landed here a few weeks ago in a thunderstorm, and one of the kids was grabbing onto my arm going, Dad, are we going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? And I said, yes. Did I know if we were going to be okay? No. Did I know if we were going to make it? I had no idea, but I pretended I did, because I was confident that God had you know, completely out of my control. Totally. And sometimes that scares us. That's the relationship, the fun part, the adventure that God invites with us on that journey. Let me give you the last one here. Let's read verses 12 through 16. Here's the last part of Hosea chapter 7. When they go, I will throw my net over them. I will pull them down like the birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together, I will catch them. Woe to them because they have strayed from me destruction to them because they have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. Wow, that's powerful. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but wail on their beds. They slash themselves, appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me. I train them and strengthen their arms, but they plot evil against me. They do not turn to the Most High. They are like a faulty boat. Leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent work. For this they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. Here's what's taking place right here. You see, the land 
they had coming out of Egypt, the promised land, was to remind them of what God had done. Bringing them out of a place of bondage into a place of freedom. And now that place of freedom, that place of freedom has now become, again, a place of bondage. God wants you in a place of freedom. That's where he wants. You see, we always sin because we desire something more than God. Who here would say you have an adventurous spirit? Anybody? Yeah, you're a little bit like me. Risk taker, not afraid. You like to test the limits a little bit. Well, last year, my wife and I went to a place that she's longed to go to for years called Zion National Park. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It's in Utah. Beautiful area. And this place in the back of the, of the uh, park, and it's called um, the Narrows. And you get here, and the Narrows are just gorgeous. The Narrows are, you know, three to 4,000 mountaintops next to you, feet high mountaintops, and you're walking in a river in this canyon. They have signs all over the place that say, you know, they, like if there's a greater risk of flash floods. Well, we get there that day, and we have our whole family with, and they have signs everywhere saying, risk of flash flood is severe. Could potentially happen, could be bad. And the problem is because it's hundreds of miles through this canyon, it could rain 100 miles away. It could be in sunny where you're at, and you don't even see the rain happening, and it will wash you away and kill you. And I have five kids. And we looked at Heather and said, what do we do? We went for it. <laughs> We're like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Hundreds of other people, by the way. And we walked there. But I think sometimes we have to be careful in our faith walk to make sure that we stay on that path that he has for us. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to go to one side or the other. It's so easy to, to miss what God has for us. You see, when spiritual adultery becomes self-destructive, that's the last one here, that's when we lose it. Our sin becomes self-destructive. Our pride becomes self-destructive. We don't even see it happening. We don't go, oh, I'm going to sin because I know it's going to be self-destructive. No, we just get involved and we're going, I want freedom. I want a way out. I want to share one more part of the story with these boys. Twelve boys that got saved in the cave. I think you're like Israel. Israel was in bondage again. They were serving the wrong gods. They had fallen away from their Savior. They had fallen away. God said, you're my chosen people. But they chose something else. And God was saying, I'm doing everything I can to redeem you. I've tried to bless you. That didn't work. So I'm going to try to curse you. That didn't work. I'm going to try anything I can do to get your heart back. Anything. And eventually, next week, we the conclusion of the story. It's phenomenal. It's a story of redemption. Story of closure. It's incredible. But in this story of the boys and the boys, the part that we don't realize so often is within this story of incredible miracles happening. I want to talk about, and I'm going to probably butcher his name. Uh, Samrin Kunin. I don't know if you know who that is. I don't know if you read about it. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. But he was a seal. He was a seal that went in. He was the first one to bring oxygen to the boys. And he actually ran out of oxygen. He died on the way in. Now, when I look at that, people were like, I can't believe, you know, that his life was taken but I don't think his life was taken. I think he gave it for these boys. 
When I look at that, I cannot imagine God's love and his grace. Again, it's crazy love that he has for us beyond comparison, beyond recognition. So what do we want to do? How far do we want to test the limits? How far do we want to hike up dangerous? What cave do we want to where we could drown? God wants you. You're his people. We get to be his This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.